Few people can boast 50 years of federal service, but my next guest started as a page in Congress in 1972, and we never left. He's no longer a page, of course. Now he's the building services coordinator for the House office buildings as an employee of the architect of the Capitol. Donnie Ward joins me now. Mr. Ward, good to have you with us. Well, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here, and thank you for the invitation to share some of my experiences with you and your audience. And let's start with what you do now, building services coordinator. People see these hearings parading on cable TV, or sometimes we even attend them ourselves, and none of this happens by accident, does it, in terms of the physical facilities? No, not at all. We, The superintendent's office is basically in charge of the building maintenance and upkeep, and we basically try to make the members' working experience and working environment as pleasant and possible and as safe as, as possible, basically. So anything having to do with the physical upkeep of the buildings, we would handle. When there's a hearing on the hill, we would make sure that the room is, you know, clean properly and the air conditioning is working, is working well and the electricity and all the instruments are in good con- good condition for the members. Yeah, and these buildings are not new. I think one of them is in the midst of a multi-year renovation and is closed, if I'm up to date on that, correct? Well, yes, as a matter of fact, the buildings are quite old. The oldest one is the Cannon Building, which was the first one that was completed in 1905. That is the one that is presently going through a renovation and it's being done in sections. I think three sections have already been completed, and we're on the last section right now, which is the C Street side behind the building. Right, so then in the other buildings, the Rayburn and so forth, you're dealing with sometimes old wiring and old HVAC systems. Does that present a challenge? Yes, all of that is being presently updated, yes. The Longworth building, which is the next oldest building, was was completed in 1933. And the Rayburn is the newest, which was completed in 1965, which has the largest rooms and the largest spaces for the members with the most seniority. They're housed in that office building. So even at 65, that's an old building in terms of commercial standards, right? How how do things operate? Well, the superintendent's office, which is a division of the architect of the Capitol, the architect of the Capitol has over 2,500 employees whose job is basically to help maintain and upkeep all the physical facilities on the hill, all the buildings, um, including the um, Library of Congress, the Supreme Court, um, the House side of the Capitol, the Senate side of the Capitol, the Capitol building itself, the Botanical Gardens, the grounds crew, as well as the power plant. So we have employees around the clock maintaining the structure of the building. And you might want to relate the degree of use these buildings get, unless you've been in one of these buildings, and I have, I've been in all of them once or twice over the years at least, the, the level of activity in them is just amazing, and it's quite a long workday that they are busy, correct? Oh, yes, indeed. There's always something going on. We have the members, number one, um, conducting their official business for Congress, and then um, we will sometime have outside organizations that will come in and have receptions in various buildings like the committee rooms and the banquet rooms. So we're basically trying to keep everyone happy and make sure everything is working well for everyone that's there. And you are around and near and close to the members periodically, time to time in your daily work. Have you noticed the phenomenon that bad as they may sound politically in cable news and in news accounts, I've never met one who's not personally extremely cordial 
and really good at small and large talk. Well, most of the members are very concerned about how they are are appearing to the public, and they're very kind to everyone they, they come in contact with. They never know who you're talking to, number one, so you have to be at your best at all times. Every now and then you may find a member that may not be as pleasant as they could be, but you have to realize we're all human beings. We all have bad days sometimes, so, you know, you have to deal with that. We're speaking with Donnie Ward. He is Building Services Coordinator for the House Office Buildings and the Office of the Architect of the Capitol and a 50-year employee, one form or another, for Congress. And what was it like for a black page in 1972 when you, when you arrived? Well, it was quite an honor, number one, and that's a long, long story how all that came about. It started for me in the fifth grade when I was 11 years old. My teacher, Mrs. Alma Carter, we were having class, and we were doing our geography studies that day. And there was a chapter on Washington, D.C., and they had all these little pictures on the various buildings and little notes on what goes on in the buildings. And when it came to the Capitol, because we were children, I guess the author decided to have something in the book that would appeal to the kids at that time. And there was a couple of paragraphs on the functions of Capitol pages. And when I read about them, it was like a light went off in me. I was simply fascinated by them. And I kept telling myself, that's what I'm going to be. I'm going to be a page boy for Congress. Now, I'm just 11 years old. No one in my family was politically involved other than just going to the voting booth to vote for various situations. No one had heard of page boys. So I was simply consumed with learning about the page program. I would go to the libraries and do research on them and to find out what they did and how they managed their day. And in the process of time, I was also working in various little jobs in my hometown of Newport News, Virginia, which is where I'm from. One of my jobs, I was a shoeshine boy at one time, and I was very active in my community. One of my school teachers, Mrs. Nanny Granberry, was a French teacher, and she was a friend of a lady by the name of Jessie Ratley, who was running for the city council in Newport News, and it just so happens that she was the first black person to run for an official capacity in the city government. And she asked Ms. Granberry if she she wouldn't mind getting some of her kids together in school to help her on her campaign. So I was simply fascinated with that. And so the kids got together, we canvassed the neighborhood and passed our brochures and knocked on doors and rallied the um, members in our community to make sure you get out and vote for Ms. Ratley. And with our efforts, thank goodness, she won and became the first black member of the Newport New City Council in 1972. And then around that time, I think in 1970, 71, I was working at a more upscale men's barber service in Newport News called Bob Smith's Barber Service in the Warwick Shopping Center. I was a shoeshine boy there also. I met a man by the name of John Fitzgerald who was on the city council, and I was shining his shoes. We were having a nice little conversation, and I was telling him of my interest in going to Washington and being a page boy. He said, oh, Donnie, that's interesting. I said, "Um, would you happen to know Congressman Downing? He said, yes, I do. As a matter of fact, I'm going to see him sometime this week. I said, would you mind telling him about me and giving me his address so I can write him? 
He said, I certainly will, Donald. So he would come to D.C. periodically and talk to the congressman about me. And he gave me his address, and for, I wrote him a letter when I was 14, my first letter. And he wrote me back and told me, Donald, it was a pleasure to hear from you, and page program starts at 16. But in the meantime, keep your grades up and keep me abreast of all your activities you're doing in the community. So for two years, I remained faithful, writing Congressman Downing and keeping him abreast of all my grades, all my club activities, all my involvements in the city. And um, when I turned 16 at 12 o'clock midnight, I sat down on my, at my desk and said, Congressman Downing, I just turned 16 years old, and I'm ready to come to Washington and be your page boy. Well, I wrote the letter in April of 72, and in the meantime, I was selected by my school to be a part of the Upward Bound program, which was a program designed for inner-city youth to come to college in the summertime and experience college life. You would take courses in English and math and literature and and a few um, cultural art courses like pottery and things like that. And I get a call from my father, said, Donnie, come home and, and like in like mid, early part of July. And he didn't tell me why I had to come home. And when I got home, my mother wasn't there. So I went across the street to my grandmother's house and I said, Granny, what's going on? Why did I have to come home? And my granny said, Donnie, did your mother tell me? I said, no, she's not home. I said, what's going on? Because I was thinking that someone had passed. You know, they were trying to prepare me for that. Sure. <laughs> she said, no, Donnie, um, Congressman Downing called your mother and told her that he had selected you to be his page boy. Well, I was simply ecstatic. I was in a state of shock, could not believe it. But I realized my dream was coming true. My grandmother, Mrs. Brucey Matley, said, Donnie, with God, all things are possible. Always believe that God is able to do whatever you need him to do. Just pray. And I kept that mantra in my heart and mind, and every night I would pray, Lord, please make me a page boy. If you make me a page boy, I'll be the best little page boy on Capitol Hill. I prayed that prayer constantly, praise God. All right, so then um, you went to Washington. Yes, in 1972, I was selected over several hundred young men to be his page boy, and I was the first black page boy, and I was honored that he took the chance on me, and I realized at that time what an awesome responsibility had been handed to me, and I knew that the world would be watching me. Number one, I knew I had to dot my I's and cross my T's, because at that time, the doors were just beginning to open for minorities in all aspects of government and the world. And I really wanted to be an example for my family, for my for my people, and for, for the whole nation, as a matter of fact. So I knew I had to try to do my best because I knew that since I was the first, I wanted to be able to lay a foundation to a certain degree so that others could come behind me. Sure. And um, that mindset kept me in good stead. Good, good stead. And in those days, where did Pages live? How did you live in Washington? Because Well, I had a, a half-brother that lived in D.C. over in Southeast, and I stayed with him. But most of the Pages at that time stayed with, there, there were certain houses on Capitol Hill that people would rent rooms to for the Pages who had been approved by the members of Congress. And most of the Pages stayed there. But I stayed with my brother several months, and then after that I was fortunate enough to get my own apartment 
because I made a decent salary and I could afford the rent. And what do pages? What did you actually do? What do pages do? What do they do then? And do they well, still do the same now, thing? Well, that's a good question. The pages, their primary responsibility was to serve the members of Congress. We would deliver letters and mail throughout the Hill complex, the Library of Congress, to the Supreme Court, um, through inner offices, basically. And we would also serve on the House floor. The, on the member's chair, right under their chair, there's a button. And if a member needed a page to take care of something for him, he would press that button, and it would light up on the screen behind the House floor at the page's desk. And we would go to desk seat number 22 or seat 17 and see the member, and he would give us a package to deliver this throughout the complex. But I had several positions as a page boy. As I worked on the House floor during the House sessions, I also served as the House Democratic flag page. Now, all the flags that you see that are flown, that are, you know, like schools and churches and places like that, those flags are sent to those homes or organizations by the members of Congress. And each one of those flags are flown over the Capitol for 15 or 20 seconds just to say they've been flown as an honor. And then they're delivered back to the member. And my job was to go downstairs with this huge truck, flat truck, around 12 o'clock every day and sign out all of the Democratic members' flags. And I, in turn, would deliver those flags throughout the Hill Complex in the Rayburn Building, Longworth Building, or the Cannon Building. So I got plenty of exercise throughout <laughs> that experience. It yeah. was really great. And at what point did you make the transition to regular federal employee of the executive branch in the architect of the Capitol? Well, let's see. That started in 19... After I graduated from Capitol Page School, Page School started at 6 o'clock in the morning. We went to class from 6 to 10 in the morning. I was a page boy for two years, my junior and senior year. I finished Capitol Page School, and I started college here in D.C. at Southeastern University. And I was working in the House Post Office in the Longworth Building in 1975 to 1976. And during that time, my congressman, Thomas N. Downing of Newport News, Virginia, from the 1st District, he was... Um, chairman of the Merchant Marines and Fisheries Committee, as well as the Science and Technologies Committee. Both of those committees had, we had major industries of that area in our, in our district. Sure. We had NASA, Langley Field, and also, we, of course, we had the largest private-owned shipbuilding industry in the nation, Newport News Shipbuilding Shipyard. So at that time in 1975, the Dwight David Eisenhower nuclear battleship had just been commissioned, had just been finished, completed at the shipyard. And my congressman, along with his staff, was invited to go down to the commissioning of that ship. And it was really exciting. And while I'm there, I'm, I'm, I met this lady by the name of Mrs. Bates. And we're just talking, having a great time, because his, her son, James, was a fellow page boy, so I knew him from school. So we're just talking, having a great time. I'm just being myself, just having a good time. And when we get back to D.C. after the weekend, my congressman's AA calls me into the office and he said, Donnie, do you remember Mrs. Bates, who you were speaking to this weekend? I said, well, yes, I do. I enjoyed meeting her and talking with her. He said, well, she just happens to be the wife of the superintendent of Capitol Hill. I didn't know what the superintendent was, but I said, well, that's wonderful. God bless her. Congratulations. 
And um, he said, well, she said, well, she was very impressed with you. And she thinks you would be a great asset to her husband's organization. I said, really? Okay, wonderful. Thank you. So basically, he was saying, well, they have a position for you if you want to take it. So go over and meet Mr. Bates and just see what it's all about. So I did the following day, and we talked about it. I enjoyed meeting with him and talking with him. And sure enough, that one conversation led to my position at that time as a service assistant in the house superintendent's office. Now, the superintendent's office is basically a branch of the AOC, the architect of the Capitol. And the architect of the Capitol is in charge of all these facilities on Capitol Hill, as I mentioned before. And one of the branches is the house side of the Capitol. And the house side of the Capitol takes care of the Rayburn building, the Longworth building, the Cannon building, and we have a couple of annexes, the Ford building and the O'Neill, all on the house side. The house side has approximately 500 employees where we basically just take care of all the physical needs of the building and try to maintain them in a high standard. Anything having to do with plumbing, painting, carpentry, the elevator shop, the mechanics, the AC shop, um, what else we do, Um, the cleaning, the labor division, um, we handle all of that, and we have a 24-hour service, so those buildings have to be maintained around the clock. And my position as a service assistant has now been upgraded as a service coordinator, but we're just basically dealing with service. Sure. And when I get to office, I, I come in, I log into my computer, and we take the phone calls from the members of Congress and the staffers, whatever problem they're having, like, well, Donnie, I have a, my fluorescent light is out in my office, or I need a paint job, or, you know, there's a short in one of the outlets. I need some carpentry work done. All of those things come to my office, and we, in turn, will log those requests in our computer system, and they will be sent to the various shops that handle those responsibilities, and we basically try to take care of those things as quickly as possible. Wow. And in all the years you've been there, decades really, any particular members stand out for you? Well, first and foremost is my member, Congressman Congressman Thomas and Downey. He was a great man. He has since passed on. He was so intelligent and so kind and so generous, and he just showed compassion to everyone, and he was very serious about his job. And he took care of his constituency. He really did. And each year around Christmas time, Congressman Downing would have this huge Christmas party in the Cannon Caucus Room or one of the committees. And what I love about Congressman Downing that taught me so much about how you treat people is that he would remember everyone that helped him do something in the office no matter who you were, if you were an ambassador or if you were a fellow member of Congress or if you were a laborer or a carpenter that came to his office and hung pictures, he would make sure that you would get a personal engraved invitation to his party each year. Yeah, you don't it forget that. It was the height of the Christmas season. Oh, we had some wonderful times, I'm telling you. We had this huge Christmas tree made of styrofoam. And we would have it would be decorated with shrimp all around for decorations. It was fantastic. It was a great time. It was a wonderful man. All right. And what about recent years? What what are things like there? As as maybe it's gotten a little less cordial, a little less politics yeah. aside after hours, that kind of thing. Yeah, Capitol Hill has changed over the years. It's not as 
warm and friendly as it once was years ago. It's, it's very, how should I say it? It's, oh, it's more, I should, it, it's, it's always been focused, but it's just not as, oh, the good times are not to be had like we had years ago. Things are much more scrutinized now. They're weighing things very carefully. Should I do this? Should I do that? You know, how did this look on the outside? So it has changed somewhat. But we, we still manage to keep a smile going every now and then. <laughs> All right. And what are your plans? I mean, you could work as long as you want there, sounds like. Well, I enjoy what I do, and I love the people I work with. And it's such an honor to be able to serve in the capacity I'm serving. It's a small way that I'm helping our nation function and, and, and govern to a small way. I'm just doing my best to keep it, keep it going. And um, I realize that it's a great responsibility, and with great responsibility requires great patience and being serious about you, what you're doing. And I'm, I'm basically trying to set an example for all who are coming behind me. All right. Donnie Ward is Building Services Coordinator for the House Office Buildings in the Office of the Architect of the Capitol and a 50-year employee in one job or another on Capitol Hill. Thanks for joining me. Well, the pleasure's been all mine, my friend, and thank you for the invitation. And I hope that I was able to encourage someone to let them all know that no matter what your dreams are, no matter how seemingly impossible they are, if you believe in that dream, and take that dream to God. With God, all things are possible. Don't let anyone tell you that it's not possible. In the word impossible, you'll find two words. I'm possible because God is on your side. Thank you so much.